there's only one snack that can make me feel like I'm having the true movie theater experience, and that's popcorn. When my mom and I hang in for a girl's night, we have to get our fix, and that's where Kelly's Killer Popcorn comes in. They're a small batch gourmet popcorn company, and believe me, one bite and you'll be hooked. Made in Austin, Texas, this family-owned business has tons of flavors. My mom loves their salted agave caramel, while I have a hard time picking between black pepper or dill pickle. Hmm, maybe I'll just mix the bags together. Oh, and when my dad and brother crash our girls' night, you know that spicy nacho popcorn is coming out. Every flavor is popped in 100% real butter and is whole grain and gluten-free. Which flavor will you be choosing? Head on over to kellyskillerpopcorn.com to indulge yourself in some scary good gourmet popcorn. And make sure to tag them on Instagram at kellyskillerpopcorn so that they can see what movie you're pairing with their flavors. That's kellyskillerpopcorn.com for American-made, small-batch, delicious popcorn. This is The Gala Show. I'm your reporter on the beat, Gala Avery. On this episode, you may know my guest as a documentarian and general film buff, the man behind EC Films, an ambassador at Fort Worth Camera, or the intern-turned-archivist for Dallas-Fort Worth reporter on the beat, Bobby Wigand. But here on The Gala Show, I know him as that guy from Cinema Force who sends me all of those awesome press kits, Eric Clapp. Hey, Eric. Hey, Gala. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing excellent. So before we bring up the topic for today, I have a question for you. So for those of you guys that don't know, Eric and I met on Instagram. This is our actually our very first time meeting. And you and I text back and forth a lot about movies. Like me, I know that your dad's passion for film was one of the driving forces behind your love of cinema. On one of the video archives after shows, I talked about my perfect viewing experience of Paper Moon with my dad. So my question for you, what is one standout movie memory that you have with your father? Well, I wish my dad took me to see Paper Moon. He actually didn't take me to see it. Oh, I saw it like on this tiny little crappy TV and it was like in Santa Monica and it was oh. pouring rain. And we ordered this Thai food from this vegan Thai food place on Main Street. And then we went and watched it. That's and I don't know. It was, it was like my perfect. Yeah. I can't ever see that movie ever again because yeah. of that. It's yeah. perfect. Well, I guess mine is um, would be King Kong, the remake with uh, Jeff Bridges and Jessica Lange. Um, it was one of the first movies that he took me to see that I remember. And I just remember being completely uh, enthralled with what was going on, just captivated. I still remember it to this day. And I remember when Charles Grodin got squashed by the big King Kong foot. <laughs> I just remember, this is amazing. I have to be like, I just think subconsciously, like, I got to be into this. Like into movies. Yeah, into this somehow. That's amazing. Did you know that Chris Sarandon was actually up for the role that Jeff Bridges got? I did not. Well, you didn't before today. <laughs> <laughs> now you do. I kind of want to see Jeff Bridges in Fright Night. Now. Yeah, actually, that'd be a really weird world that we were living in. The big Lebowski Fright Night. That, that would be weird, actually. Yeah, the slacker vampire. The slacker vampire. So as always, my guest gets to bring their topic to the microphone. Eric, why don't you tell us what your topic is and why you decided to choose it? My topic today, and we kind of went around this a little bit, but is just about how film has influenced me through all aspects of my life. But before we get into the topic, it is time for a commercial break.
I might be vegetarian, but that doesn't mean I can't enjoy a good spice rub. My favorite place to get them is Smoked Bros, a veteran-owned and operated business that sells premium handcrafted dry rubs, spice blends, and seasonings. Guys, you can even put it on your popcorn. My favorites are Honey Badger, because he doesn't give a bleep, and Jelly and Peanut Flavor Topping, because mm, 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 some things just taste better together. The website even has recipes, so go check out smokedbros.com to support a veteran-owned and operated business and fill your cabinet with delicious flavor. And we're back. Great. You heard it here first. We are going to be talking about film and the influences it has on our lives. Basically, I'm guessing childhood through teenagedom through early adulthood and even now today. So I have 30 minutes on the clock and our time starts now. So I grew up here in LA. You grew up in Fort Worth, not to be confused with Dallas, because I've learned today that those are two completely separate things. Yes. But how do you think growing up in Fort Worth kind of changed you? Um, I think Fort Worth is, is, is a, is a smaller place than Dallas. So it's kind of, I wouldn't say it's a small town by any means at all, but, um, movies were more something, there were a recreational activity. There's no industry there, um, per se, except for an occasional show like Walker, Texas Ranger that might come to town and employ a lot of people, but it's really movies are recreational and they're talked about and they're kind of looked at and up on a pedestal is at least when I was a kid is something that, you know, didn't you know didn't exist for us in fort worth you know as an industry it was something that was done in a far a wizard of oz type land when you because you said earlier when you're talking about king kong that like it made you want to be in movies but did it also make you like want to move away from fort worth like did it make you want to move to los angeles and like kind of oh i'm gonna go somewhere else to chase my dreams oh yeah definitely yeah definitely i think as a as in the angry teen phase of Eric, I definitely wanted to, you know, show that, you know, I could do that. Um, but the older I got and the more I, I got experienced, I realized uh, I could do that where I was. Yeah. You know? And that's actually one of the things I love. I love that you have been able to do all of these things that you do still in Fort Worth. Like you didn't have to go to LA and Hollywood to do what you do. And I love it. Your dad was kind of involved. He was a photographer, not so he did still film photography, not mo- motion picture. Right. Yeah. He shot mostly stills. Um, he's a professional photographer for his entire career. Um, and so, you know, that, that was a big influence on me. I think, you know, as a kid, you, sometimes you don't want to do what your dad does. You want to do the opposite of what he does. And so I was kind of in that camp, but I started working with him as an assistant and on some of his shoots. And when video cameras got cheaper like 87 88 you were telling me they were like two thousand dollars at one point yeah which i can't believe i mean i guess a computer and like an iphone right now is like that much but oh yeah yeah but we're like, talking about different like dimensions yeah i know <laughs> but i just can't believe like the pricing on that like that just sounds so expensive to me but i guess that's what i carry in my pocket all the time yeah well my dad was pretty frugal so i would say that was very expensive for him too um but he did it and i took to it and i think it also 
got me away from what my dad did because we had a dark room in our house. And so I'm, it was... Again, I'm so jealous of your dark room. Yeah. And I had one. Well, I wanted nothing to do with it. <laughs> what about now? Now are you like, oh, I, I wish I had one. A, yeah. You wish you had one? Yeah. So it, 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 got, it got me enough away from photography and I got to do something that my dad couldn't do, which mm-hmm. I think um, was good for me because it put me apart from him. Yeah. And then he started offering video as a service and at his business. And I was able to kind of do that. And so uh, that's kind of how I learned to edit, you know, from VCR to VCR, pause, play, that kind of stuff. And that kind of like, I'm like, oh, this is how editing works. You know, I can, like if we videotaped a wedding or a ballet thing, I could change the intensity of the performance. Oh, that's cool by doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And what did your mom do for work? She worked at Southwestern Bell, which um, then became AT&T. Yeah. Um, she was just a cashier and uh, back in the days when you went to the phone company to pay your bill. Wow. I, 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 when you were saying cashier, I was thinking cashier, like, yeah. <laughs> like doing what at the phone company? Yeah. She handled cash and checks all day. People come in and pay wow. their phone bill. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. So you were working for your dad mm-hmm. and then did you go to film school? Yes, I after high school I saved up and worked at a grocery store for a couple of years, and made some money, and then moved uh, moved to Portland, Oregon, and the Northwest Film Center program at Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, was it Portland State? And um, I was only there a short time because it was just so expensive because we were shooting on film, and I had to buy all that. Yeah, it's wild. It was not included in like tuition yeah. for a film school. You would think that like the film would be included. Wasn't maybe wasn't the best program, but I had a good screenwriting teacher and a good eight millimeter teacher, so I got yeah. to learn the basics of that. Yeah. yeah, and then did you come back to Texas after that? I did. I came back and decided that well, maybe this is just going to be too tough, and so I decided to major in advertising, thinking that if I got into commercials, maybe mm-hmm. I could uh, kind of dovetail that back into. Um, you know, filmmaking, that kind of thing, directing. And, but I still wanted to write. Yeah. So you did your school mm-hmm. and then you graduated. And then what did you do after you graduated? Well, during school, I met Bobby. Okay. This is okay. That's kind of important. We okay. can't just gloss over that. How <laughs> yeah. did you get the job with Bobby? Because well, my... for those of you who don't know who Bobby is, maybe Eric should. Yeah, uh, so yeah, Bobby Wygant is, was, uh, or still is, I mean, she's not currently working, but for 70 years, she worked on air as an entertainment reporter, uh, talk show host, uh, all sorts of different programs, and she reviewed movies. And she was really my window into movies because my parents were Channel 5 NBC fanatics, local Channel 5 KXAS. And so we had a little TV in the kitchen and every day night I saw Bobby Wygant review whatever the latest movie was or play or anything like that. And so she was my window into what was coming. Yeah. And so how did you end up, because all these press kits that I've received from you are Bobby's press kits. So how did you get involved with Bobby? So I was a freshman at University of Texas at Arlington and I saw an ad that somebody needed, uh, Bobby Wygant (laughs) needed help uh, with an intern. And so I applied and I thought, no, there's no way that, you know, somebody would, of Bobby's stature would be anywhere interested in me. And so I thought she was kind of a, I don't know, snobbish is not the right word, but I thought maybe we wouldn't have the same tastes. And so I took the interview. We had a great interview. We had a great like one hour chat. And she she what you thought she was going to be. 
No, no, I, I, she was completely different. Like I felt very at home with her. Um, we both had a really good knowledge of, of film, especially her, but, um, and, uh, yeah, she completely shocked me. I, I, I wasn't expecting her to be that, that cool. Mm-hmm. So you had the interview and then did you, I'm assuming you got the job. Well, almost, it was kind of a weird way, but I needed money because I was a college kid, so I needed cash, and so I needed a paying job, and they weren't offering any money, so I turned it down. She called back a few days later and said she could get me minimum wage, which was like four twenty-five an hour <laughs> at the time. I was like, okay, I'll take it. I mean, first of all, it, it was a good... I had to work at a news station, the number one news station in DFW, which is a top 10 market. And so. not only that, but also with Bobby Wigan, who yeah. had been on the TV for so long and had all these connections, and you're interested in film, and that's what she's reporting on. Yeah, yeah, and it was kind of a big a big thing. To say you were working for Bobby Wigan, people were like, whoa. Like, oh, he's yeah. in the big leagues. Right. Yeah, so it was kind of cool. Um, so anyway, I took the job, and, and my job was pretty much to clean up Bobby's mess because Bobby's pretty small. She's kind of small. And videotapes at that time, three-quarter tapes were pretty big, and Bobby had a very small desk, and it was a mountain of videotapes. Oh my God, you basically were making sure that she did not have like a cave-in. Yeah, more or less, more or less. <laughs> and I think people in the new newsroom complained of the mess. Really? Yeah, and she really just needed organization Yeah. more than anything. Because there's just, anything. every time a movie came out, you would get maybe four, five, six, seven, three-quarter-inch tapes. You know, so that's one stack, so if there's four or five movies a week... <laughs> it's it a lot up. of stuff and not only that but you're also then getting the press kits which people i don't think realize like what's really in a press kit mm -hmm. like i mean like you have the envelope you have the folder you have like the general information about the making of and then you also have like about the cast the crew pictures lobby cards where it's going to be playing and all these different things so, like that's a lot of bulk so yeah she had a lot of stuff around her i'm guessing yeah yeah it was pretty pretty intense and she also would go on the junkets every weekend so oh, yeah she was never home um from like, I don't know, Thursday through Sunday, she was either in here in LA or in New York and doing, you know, probably sometimes four to five junkets per trip. Wow. That's, that's, did you travel with her? No. Um, if they were coming through locally, I would get to go, but yeah, yeah no, channel five's not. No, you're not like no. Bobby's. I'm making four twenty-five. Bobby's in, Bobby's, <laughs> Bobby's Bobby's intern at four twenty-five is getting right. travel fees. No. So how long did you? Do, I mean, it's kind of a weird question to say how long did you do that for? Because I know that you're still working with Bobby. Yeah, yeah, it's a lifetime contract. Yeah, like you signed your right. soul. Like no, I worked there for five years. Um, even when I got out of college and worked professionally, I stayed there for another year or two. Mm -hmm. um, working freelance yeah um and you were doing advertising at that time right yeah yeah i was working full-time at an ad agency and so um but yeah i just did it because i loved it you know it was just so much fun and i appreciated all the stuff that came through and i wanted to keep it organized i'm i, I have a little bit of ocd so i need to make sure all the my information... corner that you're staring at must be driving you nuts <laughs> no it's not bad i understand this is a work in progress <laughs> yeah my my <laughs> office slash recording studio is definitely a work in progress it's shaping up though i have one shelf i'm very proud of it. and the shelf is well organized <laughs> it is very well yeah. organized yeah um but anyway yeah so i stayed there for a while and then um when nbc uh officially bought that station they just cleaned out everything and said you know we're gonna whatever you want we're gonna if you don't want it you know, we're gonna throw it away and so we took it and, you know, she still has all through the years has personally paid for all of that. This is okay. So this is the crazy thing that I learned from Eric is that so 
One of Eric's things that he did for Bobby was that he created the Bobby Wigan archives on YouTube where you can go and watch all of these different interviews, et cetera, that she's done. And he digitized them all. But Bobby is the one that saved all of her interviews on tape and film, et cetera. Like the network did not do that. And Bobby paid for everything. Like she paid for all of the storage fees, et cetera. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah, and still is to a certain extent. <laughs> That's the craziest yeah, part. Yeah, yeah, it's just so much stuff. And I've tried to par it, pare it down throughout the years um, to get it a little bit smaller. Um, but yeah, it, and it, it just it just seemed like to both of us, it always just seemed like a crime to let that stuff go. And at an, in a news station, like news, if it doesn't happen, if it happened yesterday, then throw it in the garbage or, or tape over it back then. You know, like field recorders would just grab whatever three-quarter tape or beta cam tape they could and just re-record over something. Who cares about Charlton Heston? Yeah. (laughs) We already... Yeah. yeah. It already came out. It breaks my heart. I find so many interviews with people that... Movies that I really love and, you know, there's an opening of a K-Bob Steakhouse in the middle of it, you know. Do you have one movie that, like, comes to mind that you were, like, really looking forward to watching that interview and it was just taped over? Yeah, the only thing that comes to mind recently, because this happens a lot, but the, uh, I don't know if you, uh, you remember in Near Dark, uh, the girl the plays uh, Jenny, yeah. I think I can't remember the actress name, mm-hmm. Jenny, yeah. something or other. We were talking about Near Dark earlier. Yeah, there's a movie she did called Out of Bounds, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a weird movie, but there's not many interviews with her, that actress, and so I was really curious to see what it was, and it was like half recorded over so only got the tail end of it and it didn't go well oh the interview didn't yeah. go well yeah and so i was oh, curious to see what happened interesting yeah <laughs> it was the interview between her and bobby yeah and it just did not go well yeah did you ask bobby about it i, don't I mean think she would have bobby remembered. might not remember i mean yeah. she did literally so much yeah i don't think she would remember that one though just that one unless it went really bad yeah so you're always curious like what happened <laughs> you know yeah where is that and why did like i guess that tape was just the available tape to yeah and sometimes the tape is gone um i remember the worst thing was uh my predecessor that kept her tapes at a church uh in in texas a non-air-conditioned church room and they had a big flood and like 50 percent of her stuff in there was ruined oh my god and i'm the one that had to like dig it out and like like, oh throw this away throw it away god you had to like oh my god that's terrible it was it was like sophie's choice yeah (laughs) i know i was literally gonna say that i was like maybe i shouldn't say that (laughs) yeah um okay so you were working with bobby you worked with bobby for five years and then tell me a little bit about ec films i think that's the next thing you did right yeah i worked at agency for 15 years and I, I got kind of in a rut and I kind of decided that maybe I should try my own thing. And I had a few short films and time-lapse films that kind of hit and I was kind of gaining some confidence. And so... What what year was this about, you think? Uh, 2012. 2012, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah 2012, 2011, 2012. Um, and so I decided to start my own production company. Yeah, was, and, it, was it scary to quit your job? Or? Yeah, it was terrifying. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I think anyone who quits their job to chase their passion is like super brave. I honestly, I think it's like the bravest thing anyone can do is follow their their heart. But that sounds scary. How did your parents feel about that? Uh, my mom was, you know, kind of on the fence, I guess, because she spent so much time in one place. That was kind of the family tradition. Mm-hmm. But and you know, I thought my dad, who was you know fairly conservative when it comes to working and jobs, I thought he was gonna like just 
tell me I was insane. And it was quite the opposite. I remember the phone call. I called him and I said, Hey dad, you know, I think I'm just going to do this. I, I think I can do this better than the people that are doing it. And I think I can do it better. And he said, well, okay, well, if you're going to do it. He goes, I, I got your back. I'll do whatever you need. Wow. That's really supportive. Yeah. It, it, it floored me. I, I wasn't expecting that. That's, that's really amazing. And you're still doing EC films. Yeah, yeah, we're still blowing and going. But that's not how I met you. No. I met you through Cinema Force, which yes. is another project. Yes. Um, so Cinema Force, I started out of my love of film. And I wanted a kind of an outlet to put all that information. Because like we talked about earlier, you talked about Fort Worth. I don't have anyone there mm-hmm. at the age of 50 now to talk about cinema in a serious way. Manna. <laughs> <laughs> so I needed I needed friends. I needed an outsource to kind of get that stuff off my chest. And I thought, well, you know, maybe I can try that. And so during the pandemic, um, we did the Bobby Wygant archive on YouTube. And that became very popular. And we got about 40,000 subscribers just organically, never pushed for anything. And so that kind of gave me some confidence. And then I started a little web show called Better in Black and White, where we reimagine films shot in color maybe maybe they should have been in black and white did psycho 2 tim burton's batman and those really took off and so that kind of gave me some confidence i was like well maybe i need to expand this Mm -hmm. a little bit more and so i thought about i'll just kind of do something i I didn't want to be like you know too too serious so that's why i called it cinema force it was kind of a play on delta force the canon movies yeah the logo even looks the the logo even looks the same like it gives it kind of like a I like I like the name Cinema Force for it because it is like it's not so stuck up. Yeah, I wanted to be fun. I wanted to cover B accessible. Movies. Yeah, yeah, just like you guys do on the podcast. You know? Yeah, we we try. Like all all is welcome. All is welcome because yeah. what I've learned is that there is a fan for everything. Uh, yes. Like a movie that I might look at and be like, ew, because yeah, there are some movies that I look at and go, ew. Yeah. Uh, there's someone out there that that's their favorite movie, and I want to hear why. Like I love that. Yeah, I watched Bergman Island the other day, and I, I thought, am I a snob? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> the answer is no. We are not snobs, because we all have our movies that yeah, we like. Yeah, I was really relating to them for a second. And I was like, <laughs> I got to turn this off. Um, <laughs> we started Cinema Force, and yeah, that's how I met you. Was, yeah. I, also, I learned today that you only started Cinema Force like recently. Yeah, just in late May. I can't believe that. I know, it's taken off pretty quick. Uh, it's really, and I love what you post, because... Like I was saying earlier, like I don't think people realize like what's in a press kit or like what's in all these archival things that you have. And so like I love when you just like take pictures and you're just like, here's like these colored slides or here's like this writing. It's like, wow, it actually, I have people message me like, what's that thing that you reposted from Cinema Force? Like, what is that? I'm like, that's a press kit. Yeah, I think Moonraker was the one that... Yeah, yeah. Moonraker was the first one that I saw, and I was like, oh, I got to message this guy. I got to see if he's trying to sell that. (laughs) I got to see if if that can be in my possession. Yeah, and that's why it's so cool to be able to meet you and talk about this stuff and to help you with your your project that you're working on. Yeah, my written project. Yeah. I'm sure I draw, I think I say this every single time I talk to anyone. I'm working on a written project right now. <laughs> um, I'm working on a written project for the podcast where I'm doing research on each and every film that we've discussed. And Eric has been kind enough to send me a bunch of press kits for movies that we covered, like the Choir Boys one. Oh, my God. Because AFI will distill down an entire press kit into one sentence. 
And then you get the press kit and it's like 50 pages more of material. And there's so much information in there. And also how the studios decide to like describe an actor is very interesting to me. Like, oh, he loves to paint. It was yeah. like the, um, like in Moonraker, like they're saying like, oh, like she loves to go swimming on the weekends. And oh, <laughs> Roger Moore, he's just paying for his kid's college. And it's like, I don't need to know this information, but it's awesome. Yeah, and we were talking about this earlier, like, it's hard to get information off Wikipedia and stuff like that because oh, that can yeah, be altered. Yeah, and and so this stuff was written on a typewriter, probably by a secretary, maybe at yeah Universal or, or even and a committee. Like yeah. a committee has agreed, like okay, we're going to let everyone know that Roger Moore has to pay for his kids' schooling, right. and it's like okay. Yeah, and so to be able to find you and someone that really appreciates this stuff, and this is stuff that I you know would like to pass on to someone who really appreciates it. Like Bobby did to me. Yeah. I want to give that, you know, to someone like you. And then you're using it for research. And when you told me that, I, my like eyes lit up. I was like, oh my gosh, like I could help so much on this. And No, and honestly you have. Because I've told people before, I don't really collect VHS. That's a very common misconception. Eric is like nodding his head. Yes, my manga collection is bigger than my VHS collection. Yeah. For sure. Uh, I like to collect these press kits though because I, I'm like an information hound. I love seeing the information and I love, just like magazines, I love what's forgotten in the pages. And so to get these, and then also to get Bobby's notes, mm -hmm. because I love seeing her approach to movies, how, like what she picks up on. Also, it's not only because Bobby's like a really cool reporter and I like her opinions and I like her perspective, but also she's, she is a woman and I'm a woman. And so to see how she's kind of championed the ability for women to comment on film is really special for me. Yeah, and her husband died in the in the 1980s, and her name for him was Leader. And Bobby came up in the news business, you know, in the 1950s, which is a very male-dominated business, extreme male-dominated. And they wanted her to do cooking shows and fashion shows and talk about makeup. And she said, no, I'm not doing that. You know, I want to do regular shows like anybody would do, like, mm -hmm. a, ma like a male would do. And so she's a real rebel. Yeah, she is. And she's not stuck up. And that's one thing that I really appreciate about getting to know, like, I mean, obviously seeing her press kits, I see her true feelings, like her run on sentence thoughts and, and then getting to know you. It's like, I feel like I'm getting to know her. So why did she specific, did she specifically cover movies or did she cover like a lot of stuff? In the Fort Worth area. When she was younger, she covered, you know, she would cover some of the things I talked about, you know, fashion shows or things like that, but she wouldn't do it in, you know, that kind of, that kind of way. She kind of had her own spin on it, but yeah, she would cover, you know, not just movies, but like plays and Yeah. I think I like even that. saw like a Peter Pan uh, yeah. play thing. I she was really big in local theater. Yeah. yeah. That's like one really interesting thing is like, would you consider Bobby a cinephile or was it more just that she was really good at talking and interviewing people? No, I would call her a cinephile. I'll tell uh, one funny story about Bobby when I first met her. You know, we were talking earlier about maybe her being a little like stuck up or something like that. Yeah, like a preconceived notion. Right. She's a major Monty Python fan. <laughs> like huge. <laughs> like she loves Monty Python. Yeah. And so when she first said that, I, you know, I was instantly like, okay, well. This one's made a little different. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Thank God. And, you know, she introduced me to, um, she took me to a screening one time of uh, uh, Mr. Hulot's Holiday mm -hmm. and converted me into a Jacques Tati fan. So I love that. She was like imparting her. Yeah. 
That is, she is definitely a cinephile if she made you a Jacques Tati fan. Yeah, and I just found, like, a couple of days ago, I found a whole folder of uh, stuff that Jacques Tati g- gave to her when he was in Dallas. Oh, that must have been, wow. Yeah. That must be really also sweetly sentimental for you because Bobby took you to those screenings. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like, it's a connection further that ties you three yeah. together. Yeah, and like, you know, she called her husband leader, and, you know, when I had hard times in my life, she was always there to pick me up, and so she's my leader. Oh, I love that. And always will be. I love that. I love that. Do you have, like, a favorite movie that you saw with Bobby or, like, a favorite press junket that you went to with Bobby? I'm sure there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. I Because mean, you were with her for five years officially. Yeah. And then after after that five years, was she, I know she wasn't working at the studio anymore right well they let her they let us go and then she was gonna go to pbs because they had made her an offer and then that kind of fell apart and then channel five just said well we'll just come back freelance oh and so they (laughs) reworked the rules of the junkets to where she could do it if they came to texas and not la or new york okay so she just handled texas basically yeah Yeah. so do you have like a favorite one of those that you went to with her uh i got to meet jackie chan which as as a huge asian film buff yeah we were talking about your cat earlier yeah my cat's named zoo after zoo warrior from the magic mountain choi (laughs) heart picture that i love um so anyway yeah we got to meet jackie chan i think it was for the karate kid remake or oh, i guess for it's, the remake even. Yeah, yeah yeah so she was like still working like that was yeah. not so long ago how old was she uh she was probably in her 80s wow yeah because she's 90 96 now i think wow so she was still really going for it at 80 yeah wow. yeah and i remember uh just walking in that room and seeing jackie chan and him meeting me and i was just i just about exploded yeah what I bet you did actually, yeah, to be honest. Spontaneous yeah. combustion. <laughs> like literally. Me, when I see Marco Limo at the local Gelson's, when I see Golducott chasing me around. Yeah, Jaden Smith was sitting next to him. I could care less. Yeah, I don't I don't blame you on that one. I think honestly yeah. seeing Jackie Chan, did you like say hi to him and shake his hand? Yes. Or like, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's... He was like, nice to meet you. I was like, <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> literally almost spontaneous combustion. Yeah. Well, because Bobby's covered like literally, I mean, I the press kits that you sent me, you sent me Moonraker, you sent me Choir Boys, um, you sent me, God, there's so many that you sent me. I don't know why I keep on bringing up Moonraker and Choir Boys. My favorite movie and my least favorite yeah. movie. Yeah, <laughs> I knew you weren't a Choir Boy fan, but I figured. I'm not a Choir Boy, but actually it helped a lot because I wasn't a Choir Boy fan. And also the cast is so big that having the actual press kit was like really helpful for like going through the whole casting thing. But okay, so you met Jackie Chan. Are there any other celebrities that you were just like really uh julianne moore was cool because on the boogie nights junket i didn't get to go but she came here and i was a big fan of julianne moore's and so i wrote some of the she sometimes would let me write some of the questions like i remember i got to write questions for chai and fat one time oh really that was awesome wow what did you ask him and i remember bobby during the interview she goes now i have a person that works for me who's a very big fan of yours and he's like oh very good i was like (laughs) (gasps) he kind of knows me <laughs> Do you remember what you asked him? I don't. That was such a that was for the corrupter. Yeah. Okay. The, the first kind of English language yeah. thing he did. Yeah. I don't remember what question I had, but but yeah, for Julianne Moore at the end of the junket, uh, or at the end of the questions, um uh Julianne Moore just turns to camera and she's like, Hi Eric. <gasps> and I was just like, Oh my god. And you were such a huge fan. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. I just melted. Yeah, okay. So you exploded with Jackie Chan, you melted with Julianne Moore, and you went, <gasps> Yeah. Yeah, which I am fat. Oh, yeah. Wow, you've got to meet a lot of really cool people through Bobby. Yeah, yeah. How do you, 
yeah, how do you think that influenced you, like, through uh, EC Films and through Cinema Force? Like, yeah, I think films always influenced me. Like, even on a corporate shoot, like, I always try to, or an art documentary, um, I always try to, like, remember movies and bring that to my work. Yeah. Whether it's a style. Like, I love listening to John Frankenheimer commentaries because the dude just talks about what millimeter lens he uses for this shot or that shot and why he uses this and why he frames it this way. And so then I will like, you know what, the next documentary, we're only shooting it with a 28 millimeter lens. We're not taking it off the camera. Let's just wow, do Wow, that's really, really cool. So that's how I take film and approach it to my yeah. you know, day job. Yeah, you've done all these sorts of like little documentaries. Earlier, you were telling me that you do the children's hospital stuff. Yes. And I blamed you for the ASPCA commercials, even though I don't I think do you, you didn't do that, but I'm still <laughs> going to blame you for it. Right. You also work like with museums, right? Mm -hmm. Like you do museums, you do just like all sorts of different documentaries. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, the Eamon Carter Museum in Fort Worth is a very reputable art museum. And um, I was always a big fan of them. And they approached me. They'd seen some of my work at a screening. I think it was some other documentary I'd done. And they asked me to do an art documentary about an installation for Gabriel Daw, who designs rainbows with sewing thread. Oh, very meticulous really cool. over like weeks and weeks. Wow. And so I did that and that became a, a nice hit. They even like gave me like a standalone plaque in the museum, really? like a film by Eric Clapp. Watch how wow. this is made. And so that was really cool. And then they came to me to do a, a feature length. Uh, was what's the little one like it's like a stop motion or is no, it was just stop. a regular documentary. Just a regular documentary, okay. Yeah, it was called Plexus. Yeah. yeah. Is that available online for people to watch? It's probably or? on Vimeo, I would yeah. guess. Yeah. Okay. It, could, it could be, I think it may be on my EC Films YouTube page or something. But, but yeah, they approached me to do like a, a documentary on artist Mark Dion. And he, and they, their, their pitch was, we kind of want this to be like Pee Wee Herman's big adventure. Really? Yeah. Cause he's an East coast found artist documentary and he can only make things in Texas. So we went all around Texas for three years. Wow. And made this crazy documentary, and it's really funny and great, and and it just it it. Uh, what is that one called? Uh, the Perilous Texas Adventures of Mark Dion. Is that a, that's available? That's right? on Amazon. Prime. That's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. when I was looking at that. I was like, I gotta see this one. Yeah, it premiered on PBS, which was cool for me because to see the PBS logo before your film was wow. just like holy shit. That is really. Oh, I'm sorry. Can we not come? No, it's okay. No, you can. You can say whatever. <laughs> it's it's your thirty minutes. You can say whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> That's really cool, though. So where do you see Cinema Force going now, you think? Because I know you're, you still do EC films. Yeah. You still do the Bobby Wigan. Mm -hmm. Cinema Force, where's it going? So I want Cinema Force to just sort of like grow organically. I know that's kind of cliche to say, but that's kind of how I see it going. I want to do more original documentaries because I haven't done one of those yet for Cinema Force. Yeah. I would like to do that. Um, how long do you want the documentary to be? I'd say anywhere from like one minute to five minute documentaries. And then if that leads into something larger, then that's cool too. I would love to do that. But I would love to, you know, concentrate on making documentaries about cinema mm -hmm. um, for the channel. And then I have more like shows like a retrospective. Like I recently did a retrospective on the airport movies, which was fun. Oh, it's really fun. And Quentin I... loves those. Oh, does he? Yeah, he does. Oh, my timer <sighs> went off. But... Eric, do you have any final thought you want to leave the audience with? Uh, go see movies, appreciate movies, and go to Cinema Force. Yeah, go to Cinema Force on Instagram. It's at cinema underscore force. 
and you get to see some really cool stuff there. And you guys have a letterbox too, Cinema Force, and you guys have the YouTube. Yeah, the YouTube, yeah. Cinema Force and also the EC Films YouTube yes. and the Bobby Wagon Archives. Yes, yes, in. go to the Bobby Wagon Archives. Go there and watch so that Bobby's uh, storage bill is covered. Yes. So that it's... it's all unedited too. <laughs> That's the amazing thing. Just I'm going to keep going because I can. The amazing thing is that it is all unedited. It's just Bobby doing her interviews and talking and being honest. And these things are not available elsewhere. Like you have done, we call you a YouTube angel. Oh. You are that angel that you are putting this stuff up there for people like me and also people younger than me who really need to see this and really need to have critical thinking skills developed to discern like what they like and what they don't like and why they like it and why they don't. And Bobby is a really good tool to figure yeah. that out. So thank you. Yeah. And that's why I did that um, for younger people because I've had people on my crew for um, projects that we're working on that will come up to me and, and, and say, oh, I saw that on the Bobby Wygant archive. And I'll be like, oh, well, I run that. Wow, really? Like, really? So it was cool to me that young people are watching it. That is really cool. Yeah. And so more young people should watch. And so everyone yeah. should go check that out. Yeah. Well, thank you, Eric, for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm Gala Avery, and this has been The Gala Show. The Gala Show is brought to you by Insertomatic. This episode was executive produced by Roger Avery and produced by Gala Avery. Music composed by Andy Milburn. As always, I'm your host, Gala Avery. Copyright 2023, all rights reserved. Despite me sharing the same last name with this charity, I don't have any affiliation with it, besides the fact that the issue is very near and dear to my heart. Did you know that in the United States, 2.7 million children currently have a parent in prison, and it's estimated that 10 million children have experienced parental incarceration at some point in their lives? I was one of these kids, and as an adult, I am really grateful to be able to give back to Project Avery. Their mission is to build leadership from within by supporting community through programs such as mentoring and outdoor education, and also to remove the stigma surrounding having a parent that's incarcerated. You don't have to feel alone. If you know a kid who could use these resources or would like to donate money or time to the charity, please go to Project Avery, that's A-V-A-R-Y dot org, to check out what this amazing charity is all about. Again, that's Project Avery dot org. Thank you guys from the bottom of my heart.